Hi, everyone. I'm Abby, and I aced my homework last week. And I'm Jenny, and I'm a naughty baby girl. <laughs> Welcome to Blame It on the Badge. Your weekly vagina talk with your besties. This week, we're going to talk all about sex education and the things we wish we'd learned. Oh, my God, Abby, we forgot to ask each other last week how our badges were, didn't I was we? Just th- I was just thinking that. How did we do that? How'd that happen? We were so into the porn, I think. <laughs> <laughs> How's your badge this week, Abby? My badge is, it's okay. Like, let me think. I wasn't prepared because we didn't ask it last week. I'm trying to think. There's really not much going on with my badge right now. It's just there. Oh, I know. So my my trimmer died on me a couple <gasps> weeks ago. I mean, it's been mm, three, maybe almost four weeks. I had to order a new one, and it was taking forever to get here. I finally got my new one in yesterday. So I was able to trim my 70s bush, which Josh kept going, that is not 70s bush. He's like, I've seen 70s bush. That's not 70s bush. <laughs> So he was totally fine. He's like, I'd still do you. I got that trimmed up, and now it's all nice and, and short. So, Jenny, how is your vag this week? My vag is very satisfied. <laughs> mm. Why is it satisfied, Jenny? After that porn episode, I stumbled on a website that's only sounds, sounds of pleasure. It's on Tumblr. You get to choose what you want to listen to. So you can do female, female, you can do male, female, you can do dom, you can do sub, you can just do a masturbation one. And I found the most amazing (laughs) British guy (laughs) who does guided masturbation. And if you have not heard a British man call you, His naughty baby girl. (laughs) You have not masturbated correctly. (laughs) Jenny, you've totally set the bar now. Like you're, you're going to have to get with a British guy or something (laughs) because nothing is ever going to satisfy you. Is it Benedict Cumberbatch? Oh, no. We should take well, a poll. Well, that just ended that addiction. <laughs> we should take a poll because I feel like it's like either or. Either you love Benedict Cumberbatch and thinks he's like super hot or you think he's like total otter face and not hot. It's like one or the other. I love him. If you I, I do love his voice. I will 100 percent say that. But now that you've made that connection, I don't think I can listen to the guided masturbation anymore because I'm going to picture Benedict Cumberbatch on the other side and it's going to fuck up the entire fantasy because I do think he's an otter face. And I don't know how you can see the otter face and still find him incredibly attractive like you do. I think it's I mean, I think it's the Sherlock thing. It's like I'm attracted to, to the Sherlock character, right? Mm-hmm. Even though he's like, even though I did date somebody like that, and it was awful, awful, awful. You don't want to date a borderline sociopath. <laughs> it was a good show, though. Mm-hmm. So this week, we're going to talk about sex education and the things we wish that we had learned. But first, I want to cover what we 
were actually taught when we were in school. So I thought it was hilarious that I sent out an email to friends because I wanted to make sure what I remembered was the only things that we were taught. I wasn't skipping over anything. So I sent an email to a bunch of friends and said, so in sixth grade, they separated us into two groups. This is what we learned. And then in ninth grade, it was all combined and in health class, and this is what we learned, right? And it came back, well, fifth grade was when we had it, and 10th grade was when we had it. <laughs> oh, well. But this is know. what we learned. It was basically puberty education, I feel like, in sixth grade. They split us into two groups. So the girls were taught all about the basics of procreation from the science standpoint. It was very clinical. We were taught about our periods. We were taught we would have up to two tablespoons of blood the entire seven days, which I went home crying that first day, convinced I was dying and hemorrhaging because I would have two <laughs> tablespoons in a fucking hour. Why was I bleeding more? Way more than we were supposed to. So it was all like menses and reproduction. And then 10th grade, when they threw us into health class, that was also very clinical and sterile. We talked about anatomy we did learn like the basic, this is your vulva, this is your ovaries, here is your clitoris. But STDs were something that happened to you if you had sex. Right. It was just very basic. And then contraception, I believe we were only taught about the pill, condoms, and diaphragms. And that was it. Not how to use any of them, just these are birth control. There was no sex positivity. There was no sex and feelings, no sex and intimacy, and consent was never mentioned. What about you? Well, I feel like I don't remember as much as you, um, which is pretty typical for me. Um, <laughs> I love Abby. I, right? It's kind of all like a fuzzy blur. But, and I probably blocked it out or something. Sixth grade me was like super embarrassed by that stuff. So ours was, we may have had one younger, but the one I do remember was in seventh grade, we just moved to Kansas City. And I'm sure we did one where they split us up, but I almost remember being, I remember being in class with the boys as well, because I remember seeing the uterus up there with the labels and then we had to take a quiz and the boys were like snickering and kind of laughing at it and stuff and but I think it was a lot like you where it was mostly we learned about our periods we learned about we didn't I don't think they covered um, contraception at all in seventh grade mm -hmm. I don't know if they even covered sex if they did it was you only have sex when you're married or something like that and because I was in the Midwest and I think they had more of an emphasis on either abstinence or marriage or something like that. Right. Um, and I w always wondered if I had, if we would have stayed on the East Coast, what that would have been like, you know, if it would have been more of a sort of progressive standpoint or if it's the same back then, because this would have been early 90s. So I do remember in high school, I don't think we took anything mandatory, but you could take a some sort of family class. I don't remember the exact name of it 
family living or fam- it's the one where you carry around a fucking baby that cries. Maybe we had a flower. Maybe we were we had the sack of flour that was the baby type of one of those classes. We had an egg. Ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I know. So, oh, I know what it was. It was like some people got the baby if they wanted it. But the rest of us didn't. We didn't have to. If we didn't want the baby, we could just do the flower. So I'm pretty sure I opted for the flower. I didn't want a fucking baby actually crying in the middle of the night. Like who who chose the baby? You know, because <laughs> I think they only had like a certain amount, right? Because they couldn't afford these these babies for the whole class. Right. And one of the things I do remember is trying to teach us how to put a condom on and they literally or the teacher literally did like a banana with the condom and you think that that's only like I don't know I always thought that was in tv shows and movie like do they really teach you with a banana yeah yeah they really teach you with a banana well at least you got taught I mean we didn't have anyone teach us how to put a condom on right it was just this this is what a condom looks like right but this was an optional class, so not everybody took that. I'm not, and I'm not sure how much other types of contraception we were taught or about, you know, sex and marriage. I don't remember that. But I mean, you know, the babies are basically to scare you from having sex. Which I think is the awesome. They, yeah, yeah. Like they're going to scare you from having sex. They're not going to talk to you about how to prevent getting pregnant. Right. Right. Unfortunately, not much has changed. So only 22 states actually require sex education to be taught in the schools. And only 13 states require that it's medically accurate. Wow. I watched a a few um, documentaries on YouTube about sex education across the United States. And it was absolutely horrifying the things that are being taught to girls. It makes you grateful for the education that you got as opposed to what they got. Because I still feel like the education that we got and the reinforcement that we got was sort of sex shaming, right? Yeah. Well, it's gotten worse with this abstinence. Because, of course, the abstinence is mostly geared at young women. So one of the girls told the story of being in class and the teacher called her best friend up to the front of the room and five guys stood the guys in a line, gave each of the guys an Oreo cookie, had them chew it up and then spit it in a cup. And they passed the cup all the way down the line. And each one of them spit the chewed up Oreo in it. And then the last guy handed it to the girl. And the teacher said to her in front of the whole class, is that what you want to give your husband? On your wedding night. Ew, what? Oh, because of all the guys that she's been with? Yes. (gasps) So I I was coming across story after story like this. And I heard from a few people, actually... A friend who was teaching in Arizona said they had a woman a woman come to her school who used scotch tape and she had guys stand up at the front of the classroom and she would use a piece of scotch tape and stick it from one boy to another to another to another and then show like how the tape lost its stickiness. And like that was essentially you if you were having sex with all of these different guys. Oh, my God. That's your vagina. (laughs) She never was invited back. But the damage at that point is already done. If you're not even not even just looking at 
your girls that you're raising that you don't want to have stigmas around sex. But I had friends who were molested. I wasn't raped until college, but by then the groundwork is laid. It's especially harmful to sex abuse survivors if they're sitting in a classroom and that's the message that you're trying to send them, that sex has suddenly, they've lost their value. Yeah, you're dirty, you know, and it's like the old days when, remember when we talked about the two people courting and, you know, sewing them up so they couldn't lay together before their wedding day to keep her pure. I mean, have we really gotten any better than that? It's just a different method, you know? Exactly. It And it's not helping. The U.S. has one of the highest rates of teen pregnancy for developed countries. And one in four females between the age of 15 and 19 has an STI now. Wow. If we're teaching teens abstinence and we're not teaching them how to have safe sex, we're failing our kids. We are. And I feel like we have been arguing that point forever because I remember a long time ago when they started going to abstinence only and it was a huge deal and everybody was, you know, we're trying to get that exactly the point that you made, you know, it sets them up. And but we're st- I feel like we're still in the same spot, like nothing has gotten better. Exactly. We need to be the number one thing I think that we need to be teaching is that your self-worth is not tied into your sex. Yeah. Whether or not you have sex, whether or not you're a virgin has nothing to do with it. Sex is normal and it's like any other body function. And we need to stop making it more than it is. And we just have to prepare them. Like I talk to my daughter, you know, I don't ever say don't have sex till you're married. If it comes when when it comes up, I say I want you I really hope that you at least wait until you actually love, you know, you have strong feelings about the person that you make it safe, but of course not everybody's getting the same talk. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. So, a list of some of the things that we think we should have been taught in sex education instead. When they separated us in fifth grade or sixth grade, whatever grade it was, and we were doing the girls only, it would have been extremely helpful to talk about vaginas and boobs and how they're (laughs) all unique and they're all different sizes. You may have small boobs and big nipples. You may have big boobs and little nipples, like all of that. Your boobs may be uneven. Those sort of things so that we know that it's healthy and we're not supposed to look a certain way anywhere on our bodies. Yeah, because we compare ourselves to whatever drawing they have up there that's perfectly symmetrical. Um, I thought I had, I mean, I think I've talked about this before, like my long labia, I always thought that was abnormal. Like that wasn't like supposed to be how it looks because of the drawings. Right. I think showing real pictures instead of just drawings would be something that they could do, they should do. Especially at that age, if you're separating boys and girls, it should definitely be done. Yes. By high school, I feel like they're old enough to handle. Yeah. The boys should be mature enough. That's just what I mean. Not old enough to handle learning about vaginas. I mean, you can teach your child at any age, but you get a group of 
young boys together and you show them boob pictures and they're not going to listen to the general message. Right, right. So then when we move into high school, I had an even longer list, starting with what the hymen really is. Oh, <laughs> and oh now my God, I can yeah. break a million different ways, most of them not sex related. And before you even have sex for the first time, because they made it sound like it was this thick wall that couldn't be penetrated except with a penis. Only right? a penis. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny? I would say the first time that I had sex, um, we we were so afraid that I would like and I always thought like breaking the hymen was it would be your first time having sex. And that's only when it would happen. And it would be like rivers of blood. We And so we put towels down. We were so ready for like gushing, letting, you know, the dam break. And there was nothing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, what, what happened? Like, did it not break or has it broken before? Like, what's going on? Exactly. Yeah. They don't they don't tell you that it's a thin membrane. And that they come in all different shapes and sizes. Some of them don't even cover the entire vaginal opening. They're moon-shaped. Like, there are so many hymens, like vaginas, <laughs> all come in different shapes and sizes. But it's not this thick membrane that needs a penis to penetrate it, to break right. it. And angels don't sing in heaven when you do it on your wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain, isn't there a huge percentage of people that actually don't do it on their wedding night? Something yes. like 70 something percent. Yes. Another good thing for them to teach us is that sex isn't shameful or that it's just for procreation. Cause that was the message was like, Oh, you have sex so you can have kids. Not you have sex because it's fun and it feels amazing or your partner sucks and you need to find a new one. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a bonding thing, you know, in your relationships. You should do it when you feel close to someone. But it's okay if you do it when you don't feel close to someone, if you want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. But no, they. it's true. I mean, I, I definitely remember it being more about having babies than actually being pleasurable. They didn't teach us about orgasms. Nope. Because I didn't even know what that felt like, what what it was. I only knew that it was supposed to happen by watching movies. Or talking to friends. And then when it didn't happen to me with just penetration, I was like, well, I'm a dud. Like, I'm never going to orgasm. <laughs> you know, because you don't know, you're not taught that you, there's other ways. A friend told me that she just got lucky and finally had a partner who wanted her to orgasm and worked towards that. And she was like, oh, wow, because we were just taught that sex ends when a man ejaculates. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what ends it. Not that we as women are allowed to feel pleasure from sex, are allowed to initiate sex. Orgasms take practice. They don't just magically happen like you thought. Masturbation and self-exploration, it should be, you don't have to teach kids like the nitty gritty about it, but teach them that it's okay. Yeah. And that's the thing is I started early. I know we've talked about this before. I started masturbating early, maybe around like five or six. And 
I didn't realize, and I thought it was bad. I thought it was a bad thing that I was doing that I shouldn't be doing it. But nobody ever, I mean, I and I'm, I don't know where I got that from, but it was probably just because nobody ever said it was okay to do, you know? And I thought it was a secret thing. And I don't think I learned until like high school that it was something okay right. to, to do um, because they definitely didn't teach us that in the sex ed classes. I remember Bill Clinton his first attorney general was Jocelyn Elders. She had advocated for masturbation to be added to the sex education criteria. And I think she did it because teen pregnancy was at an all-time high at that point. And her thinking was, if we're teaching kids that masturbation is okay in the classroom and it's an okay alternative, maybe they won't be seeking out sex as much And maybe that would cut down. And it wasn't like that was her only thing that she wanted to happen. I'm saying that was the thing that set everyone the fuck off across this country. People were horrified and she had to fucking resign. What? Yes. Over masturbation. Oh, my God. Over something that was normal and everyone's reaction to it. Now, granted, I think... Had she been a white male suggesting this, it would have blown over. And people have been like, oh, of course, a man's going to suggest masturbation. But she was an African-American female. And Bill Clinton cut her loose. Instead of standing up for her the way he should have, she was advocating for something that was normal and natural. And everyone's reaction to what she said, some of it was rooted in racism And some of it also was very telling about where we were as society and how we view things. Mm -hmm. I had a guy tell me, I really admire you that you can speak so openly about things. I said, what things? He's like, you know, like touching yourself. Why shouldn't (laughs) I? Why shouldn't you? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Except we have had to have so long believing that there is. And so it's still hard to talk about it sometimes, but it shouldn't be. Was sexuality covered? Do you remember for you? Because we didn't cover it at all. No. It was all, you know, men and women, men and women, women and men. Oh, yeah. So as a girl sitting in those classes who didn't just like boys also would masturbate fantasizing about girls, I especially thought there was something wrong with me because I had gay relatives. They weren't bisexual. So I really thought there was something off with me. And it would have been incredibly helpful to hear some men are attracted to women, some women are attracted to men, some men are attracted to men, some women are attracted to women. If you're attracted to men, if you're attracted to women, if you're attracted to no one, all of that is perfectly normal. Yeah, I mean, I they never talked about that, never talked about like asexuality, because I can't imagine being somebody who, especially in high school, I mean, middle school, maybe you haven't explored yourself as much, but By high school, you might have a feeling if you're asexual that you none of it interests you when, you know, you don't feel anything when you see that stuff. And but then you feel like there might be something wrong with you. I always felt bad because 
I think people would view that as something wrong with you. On the one point, we're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to talk to other people about it and be open about it. But then on the other hand, we're weird if we don't like it or if we don't, you know, express that we that it, you know, that we like having sex or feel sexual feelings about somebody. So it's like, well, which one do you want? You want us to talk about it? Or you don't want us to talk about it. Like exactly. we have to be we have to be like the total Stepford wife right down the middle, perfect woman, you know, where everything is perfect and we want just the right amount of sex so that we can have babies, but not too much because then we're weird, you know. And it needs to be initiated by the man. The husband. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, my God, it's 2020, people. Like, let's get away from some of this shit. Would have been helpful, too, to know that it's okay for girls to like it. And it's okay for girls to want it. Because there was so much slut shaming. Yes. Versus the guys were fucking kings if they stuck it in as many vaginas as they could. But if you had sex with one person and then you broke up with them, you were a slut yeah. and a whore. And you had to question everyone's motives for wanting to date you. I think, yeah. and I don't think that's ever gone away. I think it's still like that. Go pee after sex. That yes. would be a very helpful. Yes. <laughs> Sexual health in general. Would have been nice, too, if they had covered, like, non-sexual infections, signs and symptoms of yeast infections or uh, bacterial vaginosis or the fact that your boobs get randomly sore at certain times and it doesn't mean you have that you're pregnant or you're dying or one of them's going to fall off or fine. But go pee after sex is a huge one because I have friends who have recurrent bladder infections because no one ever told them. And it wasn't until we were joking about sex in our late 20s that they finally made a connection because their fucking doctors weren't even having that discussion. I remember first finding out about that. Um, I remember the first time finding out about going pee after sex. And this was after college. And it was like our first group of friends that got married. And the guy told my ex-husband that his wife got a UTI or a bladder infection after, like, on their honeymoon. And it was because she didn't go pee after sex. And I remember going, what do you mean? Like, why do you have to go pee after sex? And so I looked it up and researched it and realized, oh, yeah, okay, like, because you have to wash out anything that gets up there and that's a good way of doing it. And then you won't get an infection. But before that, I had no idea. And I don't think I was, I think I just lucked out. I don't think I was, I mean, I may, because I pee all the time, I probably just randomly did have to go pee after sex. So it worked out for me, (laughs) but I didn't know, you know, that was me too. randomly have to pee after sex. Like I usually do anyway. Like, I pee before sex and then after. Like, I need to pee before because I don't want to accidentally pee during. Right. But then I end up having to pee again after anyway. So, but yeah, that would have been really good to know. Speaking of after sex, when a boy ejaculates inside you and you're on birth control pills, all they showed us was that race to the fucking egg. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't show you when a man ejaculates inside of you, it all comes back out. Like, yes, <laughs> I thought I was broken. Like, I didn't <laughs> want to look down. I thought 
I thought something had happened and I was hemorrhaging and I wouldn't <laughs> open my eyes for the longest time. And he's like, it's fine. Like, that's just me. That's just my stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's your stuff. I was, it, I, I just, it all stays up there. That's what they show in that fucking movie. All the sperm, they're all racing for the egg. Yeah. They're racing, racing, racing. Yeah. <laughs> they don't show any of the sperm falling out. <laughs> Yeah, those those unfortunate little spermies. Like, ah, I'm falling out. <laughs> no egg for you. They need to do that movie. Yes. <laughs> STDs and STIs can happen with oral sex, too. If you're only covering one aspect of sex and you're not covering oral sex, then kids aren't going to make that connection. Right. So it needs to be stated. Pulling out is not birth control. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My older child is proof of that. <laughs> But they didn't teach us that. No, that's why we did it. We didn't. I had no idea that pre-cum was a thing. Right. I didn't know. So that's another thing they need to teach. It's still ejaculation. There's still stuff in it. So I had a couple of friends who got pregnant in high school because of that. Because they didn't know. Because kids couldn't buy condoms weren't being provided birth control and they would have sex with their boyfriends and their boyfriends were using the pullout method. And then they were shocked that they got pregnant because no one ever told us that pre-cum is cum. Yeah. And because the guy's like, what? I didn't even go inside. Like, I don't get it, you know? And yes, even guys didn't sometimes didn't know about it. So, yeah, if we didn't learn in class, they didn't learn at class. Yeah. If they weren't learning at home and how many of us were learning at home? I think it's still hard. I I really admire my sister-in-law, Cindy, is very good and very open with Lolly. And, you know, it's funny because I, even though I have the show, it's still hard for me to be open with my kids about it. You know, it doesn't come as easy for me. It's an awkward conversation. Cindy. It's weird. Yeah. And it's like, go down stairs hey let's talk about sex like <laughs> I don't know yeah right. it's how do weird. you even open that conversation yeah you so. you want to do better than than what was done with you but you also don't want to do too much right and overload your child yeah yeah and and that's why like the, the school one should be I mean it should be enough it should because that's where they're supposed to be getting a lot of it and I, I know you should get a lot from your parents but if you can't then they need to have have everything covered in school right I had two book recommendations since we're on that topic we'll do that real quick before we cover the last few things that I think should have been covered. When we had Helene on to talk about her not loving her vagina, she had shared, it's so amazing. There's two in that series. So there's, it's so amazing for the younger kids. And then there's a follow-up book, It's Perfectly Normal. I totally need to get that. Those were by, is it Robbie Harris? Roby, R-O-B-I-E. Okay. H. Harris. And then... Peggy Orenstein wrote a book. I think she has two versions of this. So girls and sex, if you have daughters, and then boys and sex, if you have sons, to help you have those conversations. And there's nothing wrong with books to help you with that. That's what my mom did. Giving it to your daughter and then talking about it if she wants to. Right. Because you definitely don't want your kids learning from the kids in the (laughs) cul-de-sac. 
again, these days, I mean, with social media and who knows what sites they're looking at or who's saying what, what they're talking about, especially with Snapchat where it deletes and we, as parents, don't really have access to that. We don't know exactly what they're talking about or what they're learning about. Yes. And porn is so easily accessible these days to children. And we we've have now done an episode on mainstream porn versus femme porn. And mainstream, por- mainstream porn is the easier of the two to access for children. So if that's what they're going to learn from, they don't know that porn sex in those cases does not equate to real sex. So it's especially important to be making those distinctions and initiating those conversations. Just having that that line of communication open at home. So if they have a question, they can come to you. I'm totally just going to throw this podcast at my children and be like, <laughs> here, you'll find everything you need to learn. Just listen to our podcast and you're good. <laughs> and if you have any questions, just email, blame it yeah. at gmail.com. And Jenny will answer the questions for you. Yes, I was going to say, um, I will give you Jenny's phone number. <laughs> you may text her with any questions. And Auntie Jenny will answer them for <laughs> your, you. Your oldest calls me in college because someone has a micro penis. <laughs> and she doesn't know what to do. And then I, I make the mistake of saying, your mom went through this once, too. And it <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I want to hear. It wasn't a micro penis. He's just shy and like a turtle. It'll come out next time. Yes. And be perfectly fine and function right. I wish they would have covered pubic hair. Yeah. You know, the function of it, trim it, don't wax or sugar it because it can cause ingrown hair infections. Mm-hmm. That would have been incredibly helpful. I mean, if you're going to make me label a diagram of the penis and the scrotum and the vulva and the ovaries, like, why not just throw in the hair? Right. All these <laughs> diagrams are totally bare, right? Yes. And at that point, we're starting to get hair. Sixth, seventh grade, it's starting to show up. And then definitely by high school, you know. I think it would have been appropriate to cover it in high school since we did have what my grandmother would refer to as late bloomers. Right. Yeah. That's why I was like, mm, yeah, high school probably would be better. But, um, but you know, middle school will prepare you if you don't have it yet. But also talk about that, that some people don't get it at the same time. And yeah. that's okay. And there's nothing weird if you get it later or get it earlier. There's nothing wrong with you. Talking to us more about the functions of our vagina and so that we knew not to use soaps down there or douche, you can use a washcloth with just water on your vulva, but that your vagina is like a self-cleaning oven and the discharge cleans it out and you don't need to be shooting anything up there because the glands inside are going to produce fluids that'll carry away the bacteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even teaching that um, not everyone gets the same amount of discharge. Because I remember learning that you don't get very much when you're not, you know, they said, I remember learning like right before your period, maybe, but then they're like, "Mm, the rest of the time, you should be pretty dry and fine. And here I was over here, seventh grader with like gobs of discharge all the time. 
So yes. I thought something was wrong and, but nothing was ever wrong. And it was just my body and just how it was. And that some people just produce more than others. But I had no idea because I thought, I'm like, how you're not, I just thought you weren't supposed to have that much because they didn't talk about that. They only talked about getting discharged if you're sick or, you know, that was like a main indicator. So then I'm like, oh, great. So have I just been walking around with a yeast infection my entire life? Well, not entire life since I hit puberty. <laughs> You know, I didn't have discharge before that. So there are groups out there that are trying to advocate for better sex education. Urban Retreat is one of them. They bring young people together from all over the United States who really want to change sexual education curriculum. So if you want to Google them and support them or learn more about the organization, Urban Retreat is one to do that. But again, the best place to advocate for change always is at the voting booth. We need to vote in better leaders so that we don't have laws like Alabama that forbid teachers from discussing LGBTQA with their students completely. It's very important. So what about you listeners? What was your experience with sex education? Did you feel like you had an adequate education or do you feel like you learned far too much from your neighborhood friends <laughs> or just random things that you heard around school. Did your parents talk to you about it? Did your friends? Did your older brothers or sisters? My The only thing my brothers ever told me was that good girls don't do it. Oh. Mm. Yeah, that was helpful. Mm-hmm. That set me up for all kinds of fetishes later on. <laughs> <laughs> So that I didn't feel guilty and I could enjoy Benedict Cumberbatch mm-hmm. guiding me through masturbation to an orgasm. <laughs> Maybe I'll picture, I'll have to picture Loki. Oh, that guy a- has a British accent, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Or Thor, you know, what's his face? Chris, are you uh, not a Chris Hemsworth guy? Well, he's super hot. But goofy. I feel like (laughs) Chris Hemsworth guiding you through masturbation or trying to be Dom at all would just make you (laughs) laugh because I don't (laughs) I don't think he could take it seriously either. Maybe Liam Hemsworth. Maybe he's the better one for that. Still no. Maybe, but he seems young. How old is he? He's got to be in his 30s at this point, He has to be. But remember, I freeze people. Yes, I did too. I was just going to say, I mean, I still feel like he's like young because he's Chris Hemsworth's little brother. Exactly. So you're going to have listeners. We need suggestions (laughs) of hot British people that Jenny can envision while she gets spoken to (laughs) in her new website. So we... So post them on our Facebook page or message us or something. Maybe we'll do like a poll or a questionnaire where you can type right in who you want, who you think Jenny should should be envisioning. We're going to end up getting tapes now. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to send me audio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who doesn't love an accent, right? Like, yes. An accent commanding you. It's super hot. It really is. Just saying. And on that note, you can email us at blameitonthevag at gmail.com. 
You can also shoot us a DM on our Facebook page. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. And rate and review because we love your ratings and reviews and it helps get us more visible. Feel free to send Abby your visually guided masturbation (laughs) (laughs) suggestion tape. Has to be British. Yes, has to be British. It has to be Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. For her or Eddie Redwine, you like him. That <gasps> just totally fucking ruined it for me. See, at least I didn't recognize. Or I mean, not recognize. At least I didn't say it sounded like Eddie Red Red. Yeah, Redwine. I have no idea. I don't care how you say it last time. <laughs> he fucking Red ruins Red everything. I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you hate him so much. But you know what? I don't think I would want to have sex with Eddie Redmayne. He's too timid. You know. Oh yeah. I don't think I could I could go go with that, but he's still a cutie. Yeah, he's about as cute as Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> so if you want to know what website that is, people, it was something like Sound Pleasures on Tumblr. I think you could find it. But that guy who does the great ones with the great voice, his name is Jarocar. What? J a r o c a r. I may have to do some more homework. And see what you're talking about. But sounds and stuff are like funny for me. So I don't know. It's going to have to be really sexy. Well, that's why he's really the only one that works on there for me is because he's not making sounds until you're almost over. Okay. He's just telling you what to do and encouraging you and saying hot things to you. Okay. Okay. I might be able to stomach that. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.